right. We are in our last uh, series. Welcome to church, by the way. I'm Pastor Corey. This is Pastor Aaron. Um, if we haven't met, we would love to meet you. Uh, we'll probably be hanging around the lobby because we like people. Um, and it's also pizza with pastors today. So so stick around for the next service if you want to. Uh, the sermons are always a little bit different. Um, but sometimes people just need to get their prayer. Uh, I should say their praise buckets full a little bit more. And so um, you're always welcome to stay through the next service or come back at 1245. That's when Pizza with Pastors is. That's your next step if you've never done that at Venue Church. Just let them know at the brick wall that uh, you're coming. And we would love to just talk with you a little bit about the church and get to uh, meet you and get to know you a little bit. So, um, What are you guys doing? Like I'm thinking Wednesday about 7 o'clock. First Wednesday. First Wednesday is a night of worship a night of prayer, a night of uh, more personal ministry than we can do on a Sunday morning. And so we would love to um, share First Wednesday with you. I have a prophetic word for First Wednesday. This is what it's called. Behold, I will do a new thing. God is like, I can do a new thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about God. If you want to make something, you have to start with something. God can start with nothing and make something. So as we are in our lives, we're often asking God to tweak us. And that's like good improvement. God tweak my husband. What if God could give you a whole new husband? What if God could make your old husband a new husband? That's the difference. What if God, what if it's not your husband? What if it's you? What if God could actually do something completely new in your life that has never happened before? He hasn't lost his power to create. He's the only creator that has ever been. And so um, it's going to be just an encouraging word for you. First Wednesday, 7 to 8.30 here, and it is a party. Uh, speaking of parties, um, if you're on the dream team, you serve in uh, church. Uh, we have booked our dream team party. Okay. Calm down. At Apple Creek Golf Course, it's like a rec room arcade on top of another rec room arcade. Pizza, an open pop bar, gluten-free pizza for all you... It's a thing. I'm not sure what it is. I ate a gluten-free... Um... Hey, I'm proud of you Freedom Conference people, by the way. Um, you guys have Freedom Conference? My mind's all over the place right now. I... The reason I thought about that is because I ate a gluten-free... What are those things? Would you call that a muffin? Like a cookie? And I'm like, I'm going to try this. And normally I go for extra gluten, but it was delicious. I ate two of them, and I'm like, okay. Okay, maybe they're hiding the good food. Anyways, um, all that to say, gluten-free pizza, which we'll have with Pizza with Pastors too. I don't know. Is that something we do? Question mark? Maybe we don't. Okay, whatever. Come anyways. Um, next week is Compassion Sunday. This is our, our annual Compassion Canada is coming, um, and it's our annual... Uh, we have prepared gifts to the poor, not just to compassion, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars because of your generosity during the year. This is where we're like, hey, we give each other Christmas presents, um, but we need to give a Christmas present to the poor. And so we do this on just multiple angles. It is going to blow your mind what God has been able to do through the church. We don't give to the church. We give to God through the church. And God uses that to help and save people. And so, um, so I would also challenge you as well. Come ready with a Christmas gift from your family to give to the poor as well. So if, if it means sacrificing a Christmas gift to one of your kids, they won't notice. They will notice. Don't do that. But what I would suggest is that a gift given to the poor is something that pleases the Lord. And we have to help the poor do what, what only we can help them do. And uh, we live in a very prosperous nation comparatively. And we need to take that responsibility um, to help our brothers and sisters across the world. It's going to be incredible. 
It's also Child Dedication Week. Um, Pastor Aaron and I are going to team teach. We've been doing a, a small group. It's a, actually a huge, a huge group um, called uh, Family Dynamics, how we interact with each other. We've been doing it on parenting as well. So we might team teach about from the greatest hits album of, parent, of Pastor Corey and Aaron's parenting mistakes. I'm like, here's what we screwed up in our kids. We'll sing it for you. <laughs> You'd be like, I don't believe in disciplining my kids. And we're like, we can tell. We like your kids. Um, it's just um, maybe we'll just go through some of those very practical things because it takes a good parent to make a good parent, I think. And some of you didn't grow up with great parents, and so it's a skill that you got to learn. And, and maybe that would be interesting to you and, and show some of the things that we asked our group, like, what are the most important things that you took out of this? And so we'll, we'll kind of make a teaching time. All right. Um, today's sermon, I'm going to be talking about um, speaking in tongues. Yeah. Yeah. I was good. Um, here's how I want to start this. Sean, don't go just yet. I just need to, I need your keyboard inspiration for just another moment. <laughs> I don't know why I have to make it weird with introverts, you know. There's just something inside of me that... I'm in a lot of people's lives to build patience in you. I'm in introverts' lives to, like, get you out of your shell and um, really embarrass you in front of the public. Um... You can't win a supernatural war in the natural. And uh, there's a scripture that says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that means fleshly, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, there's something in your life that's called a stronghold. That's why you keep going back to the same thing. That's why you keep going back to the same type of person, the same type of addiction, the same type of heart and thought processes, the same brokenness. Like, everybody hates their brokenness, but then you're still in it, right? And so the thing that makes you go back is your flesh. It keeps dragging you. You know, it's like the Godfather. They keep dragging me back. <laughs> Nobody watches TV. Okay, whatever. Um, but they are not carnal. And, and I, was, I was looking at that word. I thought, you know what? What would carnal be to a, a Canadian Christ follower? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not, ready? They are not um, optically pleasing. I think we care more about how we are perceived and how we are seen than what's really going on. I think we would rather not dig into it and not get to some of the other things. But the weapons of our warfare in, in the kingdom of God, out there it's like, hey, just like be optically pleasing. Like appear as being nice all of the time. In the kingdom of God, though, if you want weapons that pull down strongholds, don't look for something in the kingdom of God that is optically pleasing. I'm going to be teaching about the gifts of the Holy Spirit um, today. Thank you, Sean. That's what I needed you there for. Um, you know, there's a, the, the prophet Isaiah said this about Jesus, prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus came. There is no beauty that we should desire him. Now, your relationship with Jesus, if you are uh, in relationship with Jesus, might be a beautiful thing to you. But what Isaiah is saying is like to the human, the average human person, Jesus is not going to appear beautiful. He's going to appear alarming because it also says he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So, so there's something about God sending Jesus in this way that if it was you, you're like, I'm not going to go and be born in a manger. You know, I don't, I'm not even sure what a manger is, but I don't want to be born in one and put in a manger. You know, there's something about Jesus that is not pleasing because there's something alarming about the suffering and about the cross and about giving up your life to find it. There's something about that that we just kind of need to get our heads around. If you want a supernatural power to overcome 
actual strongholds that keep pulling us back, well, you can't do it in the natural. You can't do it in a way that's optically pleasing to you, that's comfortable, that's, it's going to go against the grain, is what we're hearing. So um, there's no beauty that we should design. It's like Jesus is not a beautiful man to the human race until he becomes your savior. You know, he's not a beautiful, he's not like Layden here, you know, beautiful man. You know. If you're into mullets. Um, who here thinks Layden is optically pleasing? Paul. One guy right there. That's it. I should have used somebody else. Um, I can't use Chad. I can't use Jesse. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when we started the church, we used to make hoodies that said, don't make it weird on them. That was mostly for me just to remind me, like, it's going to get weird. I'm, you're going to make it weird. Just don't do it. Um, so actually, I just changed the sermon title for the first time ever between services. I changed the sermon title to don't make it weird. Because we're actually talking about uh, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but we're going to talk specifically about some of the gifts of the Spirit, one of them being um, speaking in tongues. Now, what is it about tongues, or some of the gifts of the Spirit, what is it about speaking in tongues that collects weird people? You know, I mean, if you, grew up in, if you didn't grow up in church, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So um, I was watching the James Brown, some James Brown movie, which was uh, super depressing, actually. But I remember him walking in as a boy into like a down south church where it's like it's speaking in tongues, but it is uh, mayhem and chaos. And, you know, so there's like the charismania side of like, oh, this is wild. Like this is a, a wild time going on in here. It's sort of an unrestrained, wild speaking in tongues, dancing with snakes, not snakes. But I always say that I'm like... Like, there's this crazy aspect of it that seems to attract people who are a little bit weird. And I'm always like, you know, I mean, if you grew up in church culture, this is for churchies, all right? If you grew up, I've never used that word, churchies. This is for churchies. If you, if you ever wanted to collect all the weird people in one room, call a prophetic conference. Be like, we're going to have a prophetic conference. And like, all the, all the weirdos and wingnuts are there. They're just like, we're like, yeah, we just came in. We live in that tree over there. You know, we just show up and they're all, you know. It's like the guy that in my dad's church one time stood up and he's like, can I give a prophetic word to the church? And we're like, we don't know you. <laughs> like, we don't know who you are. We don't even know if you're a Jesus person, you know? Um, so, but there's something about the gifts of the spirit because they are gifts of power that attract people attracted to power. But I'm like, what about like regular, like regular people? Well, there's the other side of it too that I saw for the regular people. You know, there's a side of it that some of you like, like the supernatural. You're into the mystical. You're into the... Uh, superstitious, not that God is these things, but then there's the other side of us that are very like pragmatic. And so on the one side, there's people who like, like the whole idea of speaking in tongues way too much. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're like, I was, I was doing that anyways. Yeah. You know, we're like, yeah, but you didn't know the Holy Spirit. And so what, you know, and on the other side, we have people that, that don't like it enough and are like, I don't think that, that God would ask me to do something. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and so, listen, on the one hand, crazy doesn't honor the Lord. But on the other hand, not doing what God wants you to do doesn't honor the Lord either, right? So, so um, crazy doesn't, but here's, here's what I would say. Neither does your human dignity. Your little human dignity thing of like, I must not lose my human dignity at any cost. I'm not talking about, about like human rights. You know, human rights now means like how much time I'm allowed on the internet. You know, I'm like, no, no, I mean like actual human rights, you know, like, yeah, human dignity, but human dignity, not in the sense of like protection, 
And I would always try to provide dignity for my children. But in the sense of, I don't want to look optically weird to you. So I'm just talking about how we, how I want you to view me. I was talking about things that actually matter in the lives of, I'm talking about, I want you to think well of me, you know? Some of us, when we're worshiping, we haven't broken the barrier yet of actual worship because we care more about the person beside us than we care about God. You know, you're going to get to heaven and the angels are going to be throwing a praise party and they're going to be like, who's this guy? How did he get in here? You know, like, it looks like, it looks like he hasn't even practiced yet. You know, like this is a, is a rock concert unto the Lord, our God. Like we are going to like get into it. And this guy's sitting there all like. All buttoned up. We got any buttoned up people? You're not going to put your hand up, right? <laughs> Look, the music is so loud, we can't hear you sing anyways. Right. That's why it's loud. Because yeah. y'all can't sing. Yeah. That's why the lights are dark, so that you can like be free in your expression yeah. of the Lord. But there's something that pleases heaven that does not please that thing inside of me that wants to keep my human dignity. Um, here's the words that I'm learning how to say uh, now at the age of 35. <laughs> Is that your mom that laughed super loud? Tell her I want to see her after. Um, no, let's do this right now. Why don't you come up here? Let's do it right now. Um, I'm learning how to say these words. I asked Pastor Aaron if I could, uh, I asked if I can share stories that involve her. And um, I don't do that with my kids because I own them. But the... Um, <laughs> But Pastor, and I asked if I could share this. You know what I'm learning to say now? Now, these are words that some of you have been saying your whole life, and you actually like it too much. You know? uh, here's, here's three words that I hate saying. I'm learning how to say it in the last two weeks. Okay, so this is really fresh for me. That hurt me. So now some of you guys, you're hurt about everything. You know, you're hurt when the neighbor paints their door a color that you don't like. You know what I'm saying? You're just like, you're always hurt about everything, you know, for somebody like me and my personality to say that, because, you know, for me to say that is like super vulnerable because I feel like I'm just painting a target on, on myself and just told the devil what he could do to hurt me, you know? So if I say like that hurt me, am I going to deal with that 10 times this week? You know what I'm saying? Cause the devil's always trying to get at me a little bit and trying to, you know, when the devil comes to you, sometimes he'll come with like a knife and just kind of stab you a little bit. When he comes to me, he comes with a bat. You know, like he wants to put the hurt on, you know. And so for me to say that, I would much rather say like, this frustrates me. You know, here's your problem. For me to say like, actually that hurt me. It's a vulnerable thing. I don't, I think I'm always going to hate saying it. I just, I hate that word hurt. I hate the thought that anything could do that to me. You know, it's just a, like a, it's a weakness thing. And I don't, I, I don't like weakness, you know. Some of y'all, you hate the word, uh, I apologize, and you've never actually tried it. Um, you know, there's something about Christianity that's going to rub you the wrong way, and it's going to make you feel weak. And there's, the world rejects weakness and tries to put this front on. It's like, that's not weakness, that's not weakness. God is like, no, actually, it is weakness. Um, here's, here's what Paul says to the Corinthian church. He says, but God chose, and he wrote by the Holy Spirit. So when Paul writes, the Holy Spirit is whispering to him, and he's just the hand that wrote it. So, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. So God doesn't pick the, the brightest bulb. He picks the dimmest bulb. 
and makes a family out of them. Look at the person beside you and say, like, the dimmest bulb. I get you now. I get it. Oh. There's this thing where God is like, I'm going to take the worst and the weakest and make them strong. There's another thing that we say here all the time is that you are here on this earth to connect. So let's talk about that. If Jesus hadn't come and, and was laid in a manger and died on a cross, would you be connected with God? I mean, connected with God. Pastor Craig Rochelle says it best, I think. He says, you might impress somebody with your strength, but you connect in your weakness. So here's the, here's the thing. You want to be connected with God and connected with people, which is your purpose on this earth. The only way to do that is to connect somebody else with God and people. And the only way to do that, ready, is in weakness. Because you can't connect in strength. You only impress with strength. Everything in the world right now is just like, I am strong. I am self-help. I can do all the things. It's, all, it's always been in you. And I'm like, there's a lot of weird stuff in you. I guess some good stuff, but most of it's like everybody got to live with you, you know? There's this other thing in there that God's like, actually, if you embrace weakness, in, in your weakness, I could be strong. Rather than putting this weird little front on and, and you know. Um, and the gifts of the Spirit, I think, are alarming because they're, they're there to expose the weakness and be like, hey, this is going to make you feel even dumber. But it's going to do a supernatural war that pulls down strongholds that your flesh couldn't do on your best day. Or what you can try to do is keep your dignity and your pride and look like an idiot. Now, there's no way you would say, God wants me to speak in tongues or pray in tongues. And I'll go through the whole teaching about this um, in a way that I don't understand. Um, there's, you know, I mean, another way to say that is there's no way God would want me to look like an idiot. Well, sooner or later, you're going to look like an idiot. You can look like one for Jesus or you can look like one to Jesus. But sooner or later, like, we know you. It's coming. Oh, so <laughs> you can, like, look all dignified and worship. Or you can be like David, who takes his kingly robes off and goes, hey, I'm going to dance in the street with the servants. Yeah. I kind of like them better than all y'all palace people anyways. And his, his wife, Saul's daughter, watch her response, was like, oh, how undignified was the king of Israel? And he looks at her and he's like, how are we in the same house? Like, that is the house of your father. You could have repented of that and come into this house. Because in this house, <laughs> we dance on the street with the servants. We don't care about the kingly robes. Those are only tools to get the work of God done. But we don't need those. In fact, I'd rather be it with the servants, worshiping the Lord in freedom. You're going to look like an idiot one way or the other. You can keep your kingly robes on and really look like an idiot because you think that they're about you and they're for you. Wow. You know, um, the people, the, the church people, actually, if I could say it like this, you know, some, most of the church or half of the church maybe has never been to church before. And the reason that your parents left church was because uh, a large part, this is what I hear all the time, was that church people tried to maintain their fleshly dignity and created churches with politics that didn't have the power of the spirit of God that just got weird and judgmental. And then it became about all the things you didn't believe rather than the things that you did believe and became about the people that were already there rather than the people that you used to be, which was people not even in church, you know, and got off mission and got weird and got controlling and started creating a box and telling the Holy Spirit what he could and couldn't do. 
um, with their theology, which means what we think about God, rather than be like facilitating the work of God in the yeah. earth. And, and, and um, you know, I worked for a guy like that. Uh, it was the worst boss I ever worked for. Uh, his name was um, Satan, Stephen. <laughs> One of the guys called him that. I didn't make that up. Uh, just repeating what I, an older boy told me that. So I, uh, that's why I jumped off that cliff, Mom. An older boy talked me into it. Um, he was a, here's a funny thing. He was an electrician. I was an electrician by trade. This is my first electrical job. And this guy just had an anger problem. He was one of those church guys that just could not keep his crap together, you know. And uh, he, sorry to say the word crap in church, but um, your kids in Sunday school tell us all the things that you say anyways. So <laughs> it's pretty funny. Some kids are just like honesty bombs, like, guess what happened in my house this week? <laughs> We're like, don't tell the other kids. Um, <laughs> But this guy, um, Stephen, he was an ex-missionary. An ex-missionary. Like, he used to live on the mission field. And he comes back here, and he's just one of the most carnal Christians in the sense of he just wanted all his human dignity intact. But he had an anger problem passed down to him by his dad. And, and I used to play baseball with all of his, um, with that crew of guys. And they all had anger problems. They were just all super angry guys, you know, um, from that same sort of denomination, none of which... Subscribe to the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we've been talking about. Because all of them had this unredeemed, unsanctified soul that just kept creeping up and just bringing, dragging them back into their old lives. And so um, I remember it was said of him one time. Um, I could tell you so many stories about him. But uh, one of the stories is that his back went out and he was in the middle uh, of a trench. So he's down in the ground in a trench. And he throws his back out and he's lying in the trench you know, hollering and screaming. And, and uh, a guy that used to go to my dad's church, it was a trench on his property. And he said, I went over there. He goes, but I said, my back is out too. Like, I can't help you. I can't, I, I hardly got over here. I can pray for you. That's about all I can do. And he goes, well, that's not going to help much, is it? You know, and I'm just like, well, so there's this thing of, but his theology wouldn't subscribe to the baptism of the Holy Spirit or speaking in tongues or prophecy or the gifts of the spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, you know. It wouldn't subscribe to that. And I always looked at that life and I'm just like, it's so full of flesh. And this guy who went to my dad's church, you know what he said? He said, the thing about Steve is that Steve is his own worst enemy. Now, my original sermon title was, wasn't Don't Make It Weird. It was Enemy Bypass. Because there are two enemies that God has chosen the gifts of the Spirit, particularly speaking in tongues. He's like, if you do this, this is ultimately what it will do. It will bypass the devil... Because the devil doesn't understand in praying in tongues. And I'll explain that a little bit. Like when I'm praying in a language that I don't understand, the devil doesn't understand it either. So he can't get around it. You know, he's like, oh, he's praying about his kid. I better go after his kid. He doesn't understand what's going on. It bypasses that enemy. And then it bypasses the real enemy. And the real enemy is you. My, I have two enemies, the devil and me. And by me, I don't mean the redeemed version, the spirit version of me, the, you know, the part of, of me that Paul talks about. Like, hey, part of me loves God and loves doing good. I'm talking about the part that Paul says is like, and part of me is, you know, in league with the devil. Basically, part of me just always drags me back. It's just tripping me up. My soul, my, my mind, my will, and my emotions. Sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's not. And this um, praying in tongues is a way to bypass not just the devil, but bypass my, think about it like this, my own mind. My own will and my emotions. Well, what happens? Anyways, let me just get into this here a little bit. Um, First Corinthians, Paul, Paul is talking. He says, let love be your highest goal to the Corinthian church. Um, 
but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. And, and I'm going to talk about that just in a second. But let me give you a little context uh, as far as church goes. So the Corinthian church isn't a church that looks like our church. The Corinthian church was a dumpster fire. And Paul is like, why did I even start this church with you guys? They tried to, some of them tried to kick him out of the church he started. He's like, y'all didn't even know Jesus, and now you're smarter than I am. And he's like, some of you, they were like, you know what? His body is weak. He's like, he can't even preach good. The Apostle Paul. And Paul is sitting there like, I'm literally right now writing half of the New Testament for the Holy Spirit. And I'm not good enough speaker for you. You know? And he goes in there. He's like, whether or not you like it, guys, I started your church and you're in my sphere of influence. And he has to go and defend himself. But the other side of that is just practically speaking, the Corinthian church on a church service on a Sunday morning here was a complete chaotic dumpster fire. And Paul is like, you're freaking out the baby Christians. So he goes, okay, he just, I mean, 1 Corinthians 13, it's all about love. He's like, I've got to talk about love. Let's go back to the basics. And he's like, now we got to talk about the gifts of the Spirit because the way you're doing it's wrong. It's not helping you love. You're using it for yourself, and you shouldn't be using the gifts of the Spirit for yourself. It's not for you. It's for to help you love people. So he says, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Now, what is prophecy? A prophecy is something that is encouraging to you, something that is like maybe a little warning, exhortation, like, hey, keep doing this thing. God is pleased with you. You know, a prophecy, a real prophecy can tell you what's coming down the, like, first Wednesday is a prophetic night, meaning we always say, you can struggle all month if you like, or you can come to first Wednesday. Totally up to you. If you come to the people who come to first Wednesday, don't need nearly as much pastoring the rest of the month because God is like, here's what's coming. Here's my blessing. Here's the traps. Everybody else is like, I'm just going to walk into the trap because I didn't show up for first Wednesday. You know, then they're like, what happened? I'm like, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm like, I know what happened. You didn't go to first Wednesday. So, but I can't say it because I got to be nice. Um, but prophecy. Now, if you, you know, if you're experienced with prophecy, if you grew up in church, depends what kind of church you grew up in. Um, I grew up in, in a charismatic church. I'm not going to get into that. And so the gifts of the Spirit were always present. Then I went to my first Pentecostal uh, conference. So there's like some people who won't even, some churches that won't even handle the gifts of the Spirit because it's a bit messy, right? right. And uh, why? Because they're gifts of power and people attracted to power are attracted to the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. So it's messy because you're you and yeah. you're human and you're a mess sometimes, right? Yeah. So some churches won't even handle it. They're like, we're just not even going to do it because it's too hard to pastor. It's too hard to lead. It's too hard to whatever. And God's like, now you're going to war, but you're missing all the weapons. So yeah. That's not going to pull down strongholds either. Yeah. And then other churches like really get into it. And so, um, so I went to my first Pentecostal conference and I'm not making fun of another church tradition. It just for me, it was something that I, it was a, so I'm there. And the first guy gets up to do it, to say a prophecy, a very accurate prophecy, I would say, too. So, like, God was speaking, but this is how he was saying it, was, and the Lord, ah! And I'm like, it's happening. When you grow up in church like I did, a pastor's kid, I'm like, this is awesome. Like, everything, I like, I like, I get bored easily, guys. So, like, I'm like, this is, this is going to preach, you know. And the Lord, ah, says unto you, ah! And I look over, and 300 people over is my friend, Pastor Mitch, looking at me like this. The whole time he's been watching my face. And I'm just like. <sighs> and so, I'm like, but we just talked to those guys, and their voices weren't like this. Ah! I'm like, well, I feel like that's not how they normally talk. 
look. And so just for our expression, I'm kind of like, well, we could just talk normally. And, you know, I'm just thinking like, if this is a, if I'm a baby Christian in here and you're like, and the Lord, ah, let me bless this baby. Ah, I'm thinking it's a bit crazy, you know, like, Now, here's how we would do it here. If you want a prophetic word from the Lord, go get prayed for after. But, and they're going to be like, and the Lord, ah, I like your shoes. Ah. Sorry, I like your shoes, but when I'm speaking for the Lord, ah, you know, um, but they'll just talk in normal, regular voices and be like, I feel like God is saying this to you. you know? um, my sermons tend to be very prophetic as well, but we, we don't necessarily do it from the stage. And maybe we should. Um, a prophetic word, but I work it into the sermon. So if I, if you ever hear me say, and I feel like God is saying this to somebody, that is a prophetic word that's happening right now in the moment. It's not on my notes most of the time. It's happening now to you, sometimes this service, but not last service. And the next one's going to be different because God wants to talk to you the way that God wants to talk to you. So we try to take the weird out of it. Um, And then he says this, but he's like, okay, I got to dip into prophecy because that's even more normal than what you guys have been doing with tongues he says for if you have the ability to speak in tongues you'll be talking only to god and so now we're like oh what is tongues what is speaking in a language that i don't understand it sounds all demonic and weird he's like no it's actually a gift of the holy spirit on the day of pentecost they spilled into the streets they couldn't understand what they were saying Um, but there was kind of a corporate anointing there that the people around them in the neighborhood and the people gathering around them could understand something But then this is actually talking about a personal prayer language of speaking in tongues. He says, you're actually speaking to God. You're not even talking to people. So there's two types. There's personal and there's corporate. So he's saying, he's saying, but y'all in church are freaking the babies out because it's a tongues free for all. And people are like getting up, you know, and so um, he says, you have the ability to speak in tongues. You will only be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. So if I like Shandala, what and Lynn's like, amen, pastor. I'm like, you don't know what I was saying. I don't even know what I was saying. So what are you amening? You know, um, you'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. So, what is oh, speaking in tongues? It's I liken it like this. You know, there's something inside of your spirit that really wants to connect with God's spirit, but your your heart and your mind and your desires are kind of in the way. So, if it came through your soul in a way that made sense to you, it probably wouldn't be real. Because that makes you in control of the spirit-to-spirit connection, right? So it's got to be um, somewhat offensive to your soul. And somewhat, it'll just be something that your heart is like, oh, this feels weird. Your mind is going to be like, what is happening? You are a crazy person. They should make a TV show out of this right now. You know? And your desires are like, nothing in me is desiring to do something that is weird and doesn't make sense to me. You know? But you know, every sin you ever committed made sense, too. So God is like, I need to somehow bypass this soul of yours to get a work done inside of you so that your soul can see it after I already do the heavy lifting that only God can do. Now, God is the only one who can do that. Everybody else has got to think it through. God's like, I can actually fix you before you think it through. Then I can fix your thinking about the thing that wasn't, you know. So the revelation comes after the miracle. And so it's a phrase that wants to get out of you. There's something in you that will start repeating like a little pattern. For me, it's like... Here's how it might start for somebody. No, this sounds funny, but very practically. Step into a cold shower and see if something comes out. Like, shundala. You know what I'm saying? Like, da da da. Put headphones on and listen to super loud worship music. And don't do this around somebody else unless they are somebody who can pray in tongues or 
in a prayer meeting or something like that. Now, there's nothing more powerful in, in my mind. I told somebody this the other day. I'm like, 10 or 15 minutes of me just praying in tongues in my prayer language, 10 or 15 minutes of that cleans my soul out. Like, I cannot do any other way. There's yeah. nothing else that will do it. If there's a temptation, if there's an anger, if there's a thing that you're struggling with, there is nothing else that will fix my soul like 10 or 15 minutes of that. There's nothing else I can do. I've tried everything else. There's nothing else, practically speaking, that will do it. So... Um, can I just be practical about this? Yeah. Yeah, right. so then we're going to get you on the mic and you're going to try it. And we're going <laughs> to see how you did. But this is also something that, like, it's going to take some time and it's not going to make sense. And, you know, I remember, like, developing this. I was like, I don't know what's happening. You know, it's this whole process that pleases the Lord somehow. Yeah. You're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, you're not God, you know. And God is like, it actually pleases me that you're willing to look like an idiot, yeah. you know. Um, not that when I'm on stage dancing and stuff like that. I think I look pretty cool, but I haven't seen it on camera. So I feel like it looks cool. I told a couple gals in the early service, I'm like, just do whatever Anita does this whole service. And then they were like trying to do the things and the henish. I'm like, no. And then I'm like, stop. It's, it's not working for you. But this thing, this thing of worship where it's like, it just doesn't make sense to you, but it, lo- it pleases God. So now Paul is pastoring a, like a gifts free for all that's freaking everybody out. Um, Then he says, one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and he comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. So he's like, this is what it does. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. And so now he's saying like, hey, now your culture, Corinthians, is not the right culture. I think it would translate directly into Canadian culture. He's saying, saying, here's what we don't value. Is you personally getting strengthened at the cost of the whole. He's saying, you personally being happy at the cost of society is sawing off the branch that you sit on. You personally being happy at the cost of family, which society is built upon, will one day saw the branch of society off, then nobody's happy. So he's, this is what he's saying. Now, everything you've been told is like, find personal happiness. Personal happiness cannot be found until you are helping other people connect with God and people. It is more about the corporate than it is about you. That's what will make you happy. So Paul is saying, it's not about your personal experience, Christian. It might be about the person beside you and you're freaking them out. Stop freaking out the babies. Stop it. There's a lot of churches that don't reach new people and baptize anybody new because it's a tongues free for all out there. So it's like, and I got friends of mine who do churches like this. And I'm just like, you're freaking me out. I'm glad that you connect with God that way, but that person is not gonna, they're gonna just, they're not even gonna stay. So. He says, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could prophesy. He's like, there's a difference in how this works. Um, For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues because tongues helps you. Great. Good for you. What about everybody else? But in a corporate setting, he's like, no, prophecy, no, it's more valuable. Then he says, unless someone interprets what you're saying, so the whole church will be strengthened. Now, we don't do this from stage. Maybe we should. But but what is what is becomes a corporate gift of prophecy is when a person gets up and speaks, has a word in tongues for everybody, and then somebody comes and interprets that. Now, if you've never seen that, I'm not going to get into the weeds of that, but I've seen it. It's very legitimate when God is in it. Um, But everything also must be done decently and in order. So God is not a God of chaos and like, hey, just do whatever you want. No, he's like, no, this is my family. Let's do what I want. It's best for you. So then he says, I wish you could all, I've already done that. Um, Now, here's the thing about a prophetic word or prophetic sermon. It can fix everybody's problems at once. Right. Right. One word can fix you and you and you and you, and you're all different people. Yeah. You're all struggling with different things. You all have different highs and lows. You're different people. And God is like, one sermon can actually handle the whole congregation's problems at once. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, yeah. some people are like, you're so brilliant, Pastor. How did you know? 
I'm like, I don't know. I've got cameras installed in your house. I guess I know everything about you. I'm like, how would I know? I don't know that that's going to affect you and you and you and you. And I hear it all the time. It is just a gift of prophecy to strengthen the whole church at the same time. It's just that, I don't know. I'm just hopefully a vessel for it, but I don't make it up. And I don't, I don't know what's going on. I, can't, I wouldn't even have the power to fix it if I did. So there's that aspect of church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray for the ability to interpret what is being said in the corporate setting. So he says, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, not my soul, my spirit, but I don't understand what I'm saying. And you're like, that's my problem with it. And Paul's like, that's the best part of it, is that I don't understand it. I can't get in there and chop it up, and I can't get in there and tweak it and try to control God and tell God what he's allowed to do. Well, then what should I do? Come on up, worship. I will pray in the spirit, and I will pray in words I understand. He goes, I'll do both. It's both and. It's not either or. I will pray in the spirit and I'll pray in a way that I understand. I will sing in the spirit and I will sing in words. Come on, worship team. You guys are going to be singing a song in the spirit. Let's get the lyrics up on screen as it's happening. Um, For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? It's not just about you worshiping. It's about you helping the person beside you worship too. How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You will be giving thanks very well. Everybody say very well. well. You pray in tongues, you'll be giving thanks very well. Well, that's good for you. But it won't strengthen the people who hear you. He goes, I thank God I speak in tongues more than any of you. Now, right there, I could have just started right there and be like, y'all, you need to pray in tongues more. If it hasn't started, go and get prayed for. We'll give you some teaching. My my mom and dad, they're in Cuba right now helping the church there. But... They will, like, Dad will, like, see you down, teach you. We'll get you in places where this actually happens. But Paul, the apostle, is saying, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And some of us are like, I'm just going to stay clear for Paul. It's like Michael Jordan telling you, there's one drill I do, and it makes me look like an idiot. But Paul's like, I'm doing more than you guys are doing for the gospel. The enemy is fighting me harder than he's fighting you. I got more problems than you've got. I've got more weight than you've got on me. I'm getting beaten all the time. I'm getting persecuted. I'm getting, and I pray in tongues more than all of you because I need it. I need my soul to be edified and my spirit to be connecting with God. I need the supernatural power of the living God to keep doing what I'm doing. And some of us in Christianity are still rocking a bag phone. You know those Motorola bag phones? Do you remember those? Some of y'all are accessorizing a bag phone like Stephen the electrician. I'm like, you can't glitter up a bag phone, y'all. It doesn't fit into any pockets you've got. It's horrible. It's giving your head cancer. Do you guys not know what a bag phone is? You used to unzip a phone that was like this big. It's a Motorola bag phone. It cost $47 a minute to use. And it gave your head cancer. And I'm like, I'm trying to tell my daughters going into to Calgary for, um, for a Christmas party last night. I'm like, you have Google Maps. You don't know what the world was like before that. I'm like, Christian, without the Holy Spirit and speaking tongues, you're rocking a bag phone. You don't know what it could be like to get like play-by-plays on how to deal with your teenagers and how to deal with relationships and where to spend money and where to save money. You get a play-by-play like traffic, rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. People ask me like, how, Pastor, you must be a great leader because like through COVID, you know, you built a church and then a church doubled and then a church doubled again. And I'm like, I'm so smart. I didn't know what to do. I prayed in tongues a lot. And that God told me what to do. You're like, how did you like it? I'm like, if you had to explain COVID to me and all the things we had to, I still don't know what happened. But God spoke to me and God spoke to you. 
And that's, it's not brilliance. It's the Holy Spirit's brilliance just using you and flowing through. Because this is how we're going to fight our battles.